to the very first episode of the Books Lore Podcast. Where we discuss a popular theme in romance novels and review some books that Melissa has read, but I haven't. This first trope is probably one of my favorites. Do you have any guesses? I have absolutely no idea where you'd want to start. Office romances. Office? Okay. (laughs) That sounds like a trope I would expect to exist. Yeah, it's pretty common. Um... It's where forbidden romance begins between co-worker, two co-workers. Often they're in a love-hate relationship with each other beforehand, are competing for a promotion, um, usually has like an enemies to lovers theme that coexists, which I think is probably what I love best. Um, cue secret supply room meetups, conference room sexy eyes, angry sex in a hallway, that kind of stuff. I see. I think that uh, I remember you telling me about a book you were reading a couple weeks ago, and you said that it seemed that all office romances started in some kind of rivalry. Is that right? Yeah. uh, Like, I wouldn't say all, but it it is definitely a popular co-mingling theme with an office romance that they are enemies beforehand they're they just really love to hate each other and working together is hell every day and until they like have to fuck their brains out right and it's not their it's not their tension that makes them angry at each other like their sexual tension is something else entirely like they actually legit hate each other or they can't get along or some other it depends on the book sometimes it's the sexual tension and they just ignore that uh like promotion is the biggest theme two people competing for the same job they're tense they're angry at each other at each other leads to sex got it so the first book that we're going to review today is the hating game by sally thorne as the name describes, they hate each other. Uh, it's Sally's debut book, and it was published less than a year ago, but it is truly shameful how many times I've read it. I just finished my eighth reread of it. Wow. That's a big commitment. It is a commitment. I have read it and listened to it on audiobook, and maybe our kids have listened to parts of it in the car on audiobook, too. I think we should edit that part out. (laughs) Which parts? Only the most innocent. Only the most innocent. Got it. So the blurb of this book is Nemesis, noun, an opponent or rival whom a person cannot best or overcome, a person's undoing, Joshua Templeman. Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeman hate each other, not dislike, not begrudgingly tolerate, hate and they have no problem displaying their feelings through a series of ritualistic passive-aggressive maneuvers as they sit across from each other executives as executive assistants to co-ceos of a publishing company lucy can't understand joshua's joyless uptight meticulous approach to his job and joshua is clearly baffled by lucy's overly bright clothes quirkiness and pollyanna attitude now up for the same promotion their battle of wills has come to a head and lucy refuses to back down when their latest game could cost her their her dream job 
but the tension between Lucy and Joshua has reached its boiling point, and Lucy is discovering that maybe she doesn't hate Joshua, and maybe he doesn't hate her either. Or maybe this is just another game. The doing it in this book is late, like 85% late. It is definitely what I would call a slow-burning romance, but it covers all of those topics I was talking about. Love to hate, promotion, office romance. Let me just take all of that in for a second. <laughs> you need a minute <laughs> need to a process. Minute to process what all of this is about. So you said that they have ritualistic, passive-aggressive behaviors. Like, what kind of things do these people do to each other in this book? So In the first 85%, not the last 15%. I think I got a pretty good idea of that. <laughs> So they chronically are getting into trouble with human resources. Um, everything is a game. Like they, she calls it the staring game because they stare down each other. Or the, the staring game, like that sounds flirty. It doesn't sound like anger. And that's the kind of love that I have for this book. It's this hindsight is twenty twenty where. They hate each other through the book, or you think they do, and then you get to the point in the last 15% where they realize it, and you go back and you're like, holy fuck, he knew it the whole time, and he wasn't actually being a jerk to her. He was, like, this super shy, swoony, like, just not this alpha male that you normally read about, and she just was terrible at picking up his signals. Right, so... The staring game was an opportunity to actually look at somebody he kind of liked. Yeah, he's kind of like this grumpy, no one really likes him. He's not a sunshiny guy. And I think for someone like Lucy, the main character, who is total Pollyanna, sunshiny, kind of lets people walk all over her, someone like Joshua, who stands his ground, she just can't process that at all so you said 85% is where they figured it out it was a late uh, late burning book when uh, when was he smart enough to know what he wanted he knew early so he we like spoiler alert for listeners there's strong implication that he knew the first day that they started working together and that he couldn't process his feelings like he knew it was going to affect his work so significantly that he had to become this kind of jerk to her like he says numerous numerous times in the book that there's no way they'll ever be friends which she means reads in her mind as him being a jerk like I'm never going to be friends with you but he really truly means like, I love you too much. We'll never be able to be friends because I, it's I love you or nothing. It's totally one of my favorite books. I will probably read it at least another eight times as well. And it's called? It's called The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. Our next office romance it, is Beautiful Bastard by Christina Lauren. Christina Lauren is actually a writing pair, Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, and this is book one in a great series about a trio of billionaires. Do you want to read the 
the blurb? I will read the blurb. An ambitious intern, a perfectionist executive, and a whole lot of name-calling. Whip-smart, hard-working, and on her way to an MBA, Chloe Mills has only one problem. Her boss, Bennett Ryan, Bennett Ryan, he's exacting, blunt, inconsiderate, and completely irresistible. A beautiful bastard. Bennett has returned to Chicago from France to take a vital role in his family's massive media business. He never expected that the assistant who'd been helping him from abroad was the gorgeous, innocently provocative, completely infuriating creature he now has to see every day. Despite the rumors, he's never been one for workplace hookups, but Chloe's so tempting he's willing to bend the rules or outright smash them. If it means he can have her all over the office. <laughs> As their appetites for one another increase to a breaking point, Bennett and Chloe must decide exactly what they're willing to lose in order to win each other. So, do you have any medium feelings after reading that? I don't think I've ever read the back of a romance book before, so... I guess lots of feelings. Yeah. So wait until you hear this little tidbit of, in, of info. So this book was originally available online as fan fiction, Twilight fan fiction. How, how could it be Twilight fanfic? <laughs> so it was found online uh, as The Office by the author uh, TBY789, who was... Christina and Lauren writing together from a, like different points of the world uh, and it garnered 2 million views on the fanfiction website that it was posted on so uh, they rewrote it and since then it has been extensively re-released in its new and current form it in no way resembles Twilight fanfiction now like you'll get some names from Twilight that are the same, but that's it. Really. So this is a this is a totally different story from the one that was released as fan fiction. Yeah, I mean it's got some similar veins, but they it, the original book they used the characters from Twilight, gave them tweaked personalities, wrote this office story. Um, love to hate romance and so many readers that they decided to rewrite it together and now this series is like it's actually not even an indie published book they have it's fully published this book is actually licensed to become a tv show i think what network like, can carry this TV show? I wonder. Uh, I guess there's some TV networks that have uh, come a long way from originally the, the rights, old prime time. Originally, the rights were purchased for it to become a movie. And what I've read recently, I follow the authors on Facebook, is that um, it's been kind of rejigged again. So it's getting another kind of life form. And it's going to be released as a story about these three bachelors on TV. That's uh, that's amazing. So you said this is a, it, it will be a series, and there was a series of books. Is is this one, uh, the first? This is book one in the in the series. I will say we're gonna talk about book three later because it's 
book three in this series is on my top five favorite books of all time but this beautiful bastard which is book one is also pretty high up there as a favorite the doing it is really early like two percent early so does does he fly from wherever he is within two percent and meet this beautiful assistant they've the book that early when the book opens they've been working together for a few months already and there's a bit of flashback later about their initial meetings and how they dis the dislike of each other began um but like pretty much right in the intro of this book there's some sneaky boardroom wow that's impressive yeah you know when when you told me a minute ago that it was titled the office uh for some reason my brain went to like the office on nbc like jim Mm -hmm. and pam kind of office and it seems as though so when you told me that it was Chloe uh, and Bennett are no Jim and are Pam. Are no Jim and Pam. They're no Jim and way Pam. Way too rich and way too hot to be yeah, Jim and Pam. Yeah, there's actually a sex scene in this book that takes place in a La Perla lingerie change room. That is probably one of the hottest sex scenes in a book ever. A minute ago, you we were talking about... Uh, another book that had an 85% doing it. You had to get 85% of the book before anything uh, happened. Yeah. So this was 2%. I feel like these two back-to-back reviews have been the most extreme versions available. I, I don't imagine there's... A... I made a jump. And the thing that's really interesting is that it's an easy... It's an easy comparison because the theme is so similar. Coworkers who hate each other, there's so much tension, it turns out that they've had feelings for each other the whole time, that they just couldn't process having to work together and have these feelings for one another. But the way the author delivers the sex is so different. See, And the lingerie scene, is that the single sexiest scene in the book? Or do they get hotter than oh, that? Oh, man, that's a hard question. So the thing about this book's sex scenes is that I would say the beginning is really sex-heavy. Like, there's kind of no plot for the first maybe 10%. Like, you get some really, like, it's sex in a boardroom sex in the stairwell, sex in a La Perla lingerie change room, and then nothing, and then a really sexy scene in a bathroom at his parents' house. I, like, the look on your face right now is... And it's a family business, right? So these yeah, are it's all... family It's business. all power within the within the business. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that I, I'm, I'm catching here is that they didn't hate each other through the entire book. Obviously, if it was 2%, there must have been a, and there a little no, bit of throwback. No, they hate each other the whole time. They like, hate each other the whole time. This is hate-fucking. Okay. Is, oh, yeah. All right, oh, so yeah. I, I figured when you said so, 2%, I'm like, okay, they worked out all their shit in the first no, 2%, and then no. the whole... They have, every time they have sex, it makes them hate each other more because they couldn't resist each other so they finish having this insanely hot sex and they're like 
fuck you for making me do that. No, fuck you for making me do that. And then they storm away, uh, apart from each other. Like, they, this is hate fucking. They hate each other until, like, the normal resolution time in a right. book. So, obviously, uh, hopefully people read it, so we won't have to give away the end. But yeah. I guess it's fair in, to in assume that at some point. you gathered, this is a very spoiler-heavy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> read the books first or don't give us shit when <laughs> you're upset by already yeah, knowing sh- how it ends. I got to say, I now know... Uh, like 200% more about romance books than I ever did before because we've just looked at the first two books I've ever heard of and I'm pretty sure that the idea of there being some kind of resolution near the end of the book that's not actually described is not that much of a spoiler because I think we kind of assumed coming into this thing that most of these books have like either really happy or really like terrible tragic endings about that today and i have a friend who is my soul sister my reading kindred spirit and we always recommend books to each other and we will sometimes buddy read and she we were talking about how um it's sometimes difficult to recommend books if you are not already a romance lover so i have recommended this particular series to people who aren't always romance lovers who love it but uh my friend and i were talking about recommending books and she was saying she had someone who was like i'm not listening to you anymore because every book you tell me to read is so damn predictable and we're like well it's it's not romance if they don't end up together in the end like (laughs) can't just have like the white house blow up and no no like like tragic end of the world and good thing we don't have to come to a decision anymore her exact words were it's not fucking romance if everyone fucking dies like (laughs) (laughs) for our last book we're going to talk tangled by emma chase this was a 2013 goodreads romance of the year The interesting thing about this book is it is told entirely 100% from the male perspective. I guess that's uncommon? Very uncommon. It's romance books are almost exclusively just a female perspective or more often a rotating male-female perspective. But an entire book from the hero's eyes, not common at all, especially when the book is written by a woman. So, um, this one is a pretty average doing it of about 45%. But another thing that is unique about this book that not all readers love is that the heroine actually has a boyfriend until 41%. So, there's no, no overlap per se because the relationship ends at that 41% mark. The doing it begins at 45%. But it's it's pretty close. It's a close call. Is there? I get. I don't read these books at all, so I don't really know. Is there usually more space, or is there not usually a boyfriend to be left in the first place? There is usually not a boyfriend. That's not a super like cheating is a theme that some people really love in their romance books, but it's not most people don't want to read about it it's not very romantic to think about your partner cheating on you so 
it's not something people like to imagine or like put themselves in their shoes. So I'm going to give you a quick little rundown with the blurb of this book um, before we get too deep into the brain of Drew Evans. Drew Evans is a winner. Handsome and arrogant, he makes multi-million dollar business deals and seduces New York's most beautiful women with just a smile. He has loyal friends and an indulgent family. So why has he been shuttered in his apartment for seven days, miserable and depressed? He'll tell you he has the flu, but we all know that's not tr really true. Catherine Brooks is brilliant, ambitious, and beautiful. She refuses to let anyone or anything derail her path to success. When Kate is hired as the new associate to Drew's father's, at Drew's father's investment banking firm, every aspect of the dashing playboy's life is thrown into a tailspin. The professional competition she brings is unnerving. His attraction to her is distracting. His failure to entice her into his bed is exasperating. Just when Drew is on the cusp of having everything he wants, his overblown confidence threatens to ruin it all. Will he be able to untangle his feelings of lust and tenderness, frustration and fulfillment? Will he rise to the most important challenge of his life? Can Drew Evans win at love? Tangled is not your mother's romance novel. It is an outrageous, passionate, witty narrative about a man who knows a lot about women, just not as much as he thinks he knows. As he tells his story, Drew learns one thing he never wanted in life is the only thing he can't live without. The only thing he never wanted is the one thing he can't live without. So he just assumed that having... Well... He was already a playboy. He was already he getting... He was like a reformed man whore, right? So he never thought he would settle down and uh, he played the field and was never going to fall in love. So when it happens, he refuses to believe that it it has. So another theme in this book, I don't know if you got that from the blurb, is that they're competing in a, a job. They have the same job. They're competing against each other. I didn't get that at all. Oh. So they're in the same job. They're in the same job. So, But he's got the unfair advantage of being the kid of the boss. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they have the same job, which is... Um, is interesting because often in these romances the woman is a secretary or they're she's competing for a promotion from a secretary and is kind of skipping ahead but this woman is an investment banker she's already high up there she's like, already she, powerful she's, she's already she an MBA. master of her own domain she, yeah yeah, so I love that she is the smart, ambitious woman who doesn't want to be derailed. And the blurb makes it sound like she's totally the holdout. Like, she's the reason stuff's not happening. Like, she, and, and actually, you said that he, that the book is from, uh, from Drew's perspective. It's from Drew's perspective. And he's the one who's not getting what he wants. Uh, until 45% of the yeah. way through the book. So the, something that's super cool about this book is that it's almost entirely told in flashback form, which is also super unique 
from this male perspective on top of that. So it starts and he's like locked in his apartment and he hasn't left for seven days and no one in his family can get him to come out. He claims that he's got the flu. And really it's that he's in love with this woman and he thinks that she doesn't reciprocate her feelings. Like something that happens super commonly in romance novels is what I've heard referred to as dumb book behavior. It's actually, I have to give a shout out to the Bookshame podcast for that phrase. They use dumb book behavior all the time and I love it. It's basically behavior that is dumb that really wouldn't fly in real life. Like it happens just to create drama in the story and it's usually simple misunderstandings like uh, across paths or message that was misperceived to mean one thing instead of its intended message and just dumb like stuff that normal adults would question or just be like hey what did you mean when you said this and that doesn't happen right and And the characters are dumb or the author needs to like slide some quick little pivot in there to make shit work it's totally all about pivot it's you often the characters are smart and they they just need it's they, like they it's like when you run out of budget in your they movie and you're like, I'm gonna explain away why he suddenly has powers to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like It they, was aliens the whole time. Oops. Yeah, yeah. they they're just <laughs> looking for some kind of pit. I mean no people wanna read sex, but they can't get together at forty five percent and then stay together till the end because that gets pretty boring. Like something has to happen between forty five percent and a hundred percent that creates a story arc so usually it's dumb book behavior sometimes it's really really dumb like so unbelievably dumb that it can ruin the book and in this book it's it's totally a crossed wires situation where he thinks one thing happened and does this i'm gonna have the flu and not leave my he stops going to work he so he 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 was slighted sometime in that second half of the book and he wasn't slighted at all but he had this like childish walk away yeah (laughs) this childish walk away uh um reaction yeah and it's one of the funniest books that i've ever read i it's all three of these books that we've talked about i've actually reread on more than one occasion and all for different reasons. Um, this book is particularly funny, and Drew is just a funny guy. He's really self-absorbed and kind of narcissistic, which you can makes see him that funny. from his perspective because yeah, yeah, he's totally open about it. He owns it. Like he loves that he's a narcissist, and he's. He's attractive and rich and has a great job and can get buy whatever he wants and get whatever he wants and women fall at his feet and he just loves it. It's he loves to live his life that way. So when he fell in love, it actually threw him for a loop because love gets in the way of that. And 
you said that something that was weird about this book is that the female he had a he had a girlfriend she, she, she had, had a, boyfriend. a boyfriend she had a boyfriend and her boyfriend is an interesting character in itself so there's a bit of role reversal in the sense that she's an uber professional with an MBA and her boyfriend is kind of a um He's a professional musician. He doesn't really hold a regular job. So Drew gets to say, screw that guy. Yeah, I'm way he better. really looks down on this boyfriend and thinks he's like this hanger on to Kate's success. Got it. Okay. Well, I think I've learned everything I could possibly learn. Oh, there's so much more to learn about office romance. Let oh, me tell you, goodness. I had. Will there be a revival episode of there, office will romance? Very likely revisit this cough, this topic because narrowing it down to three was next to impossible. The, there are so many. It's one of my favorite tropes. This this hate to love you idea that just the fact that they're in close quarters leads to all kinds of situations where the sex occurs that it's impossible to cover it in one episode all right well i guess when we revisit maybe we'll find some other reason that people do it in offices <laughs> but maybe not maybe, maybe yeah, that'll be the exact same reason more? again <laughs> <laughs> well Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Books Lore Podcast. The very first episode. We hope you join us again.